Norman Benali stands by sheep camp, his home on the Navajo reservation. His black ponytail falls over torn blue jeans. Behind him, black coal sprawls for miles below a torn blue sky. Norman lives in the middle of a 40,000 acre coal mine. Over the past 45 years, since coal first came to the reservation, Norman has watched as the streams of his childhood ran dry. Grandmother lived on the other side of the wash there. And on the way to the grandmother's house, there was water. So, and then on the way back, there was water. So it just never, never dawned on us that one day we would have the springs would dry up and the water that's out there would be polluted to where we have to buy water from the grocery store. Water is life for the Navajo, but also for every other human. So where did the water go? When the cities of Tucson and Phoenix were growing, they needed water. They got it. But Norman and the rest of the reservation lost it. Norman's springs didn't just disappear. They were pumped dry and polluted. They were pumped and polluted by the coal mine that provided coal to the nearby power plant, the Navajo Generation Station. The Navajo Generation Station was built to power the pumps that pushed Colorado River water from Lake Havasu uphill 300 miles to the cities of Tucson and Phoenix. The water from Norman Springs didn't just disappear. And I still go down into the washes and kind of miss the old natural springs that were there because the coal, the, the coal plant here was using a lot of the groundwater to slurry the coal. So it dried up a lot of the springs. The active mining did also dry up a lot of the springs and the natural springs that we used to use for drinking water. Over half of all water pulled from lakes and rivers in the U.S. is used for power plants like NGS. For 30 years, the coal industry took water from the Navajo aquifer at a rate over three times its ability to recharge. But on the reservation, the coal industry doesn't just use water from the aquifer, they also pull 250,000 households worth of Colorado River water each year. This water should be owned by the Navajo, but it isn't, and more than half the reservation lives without pumped household water. For Norman, that never used to be a problem. The springs were as reliable as any city faucet. But once the springs went dry, he started carrying what he now carries every day, a Poland Springs water bottle. We didn't know anything about bottled water like this before. Back then, we just went down there, you know where the water was. I was born early enough to see that uh, before Peabody came in, I saw the landscape and how life was on the, out here on the reservation and how, how the landscape changed and how it impacted a way, the way of life that I actually was brought into. And it changed everything for me. Then we just, uh, the livestock that we had, we just took them down in the wash. They drank the water down in the wash, same as we did. And, and, but nowadays, most of the time we haul water for the horses, cows, and the sheep. So they drink uh, tap water, <laughs> like the rest, of, the rest of society. And you would never think that that would be the case here. Norman makes his entire living off sheep grazing. So having to haul water for livestock 60 miles each week costs a lot of time and money. 
uh, a number of our livestock died from uh, poisoning from the pollutants in the water. So we are, had to switch to hauling water for them as well as for our household use. So we basically share the water with the animals. If you go down to the public water stand in a hot July day, there's people, 10, 15 vehicles waiting in line just to haul water. So that's how, how serious of an impact that is. The public water stands scattered throughout the reservation were built to mitigate for the dead, dry springs. Mitigate what? Once you destroy the environment or the a culture, how do you mitigate that there is no, once it's gone, it's gone. There's no mitigation. There's no reason for you, anyone to use the word mitigate when you destroy a culture or when you destroy the environment. So here is sheep camp, dried up, but not at all dead, still booming with coal blasting. In the background is the rusting coal processing towers and their rusting water tank with a peeling yellow, have a safe day, painted on the side. Norman doesn't have any plans to leave. He keeps fighting the fight he has led since he was a teenager, trying to get the coal industry off the reservation, trying to get them to stop using Navajo water. Some of us younger folks that were young back then are becoming, <laughs> coming, getting older too. Yeah. And we're still here, still speaking the voices of the people from the past and even the present. And uh, also we feel that we are speaking for the future as well. I don't think that we're just not, we're just not saying this because we want to go backwards. Even all things are going forward, but still we want to stay connected with the history, the culture, and uh, the environment. We want to leave them in their natural uh, state as much as possible, if we could and that's what we should do. Norman is an anomaly on the reservation. When coal pushed through, almost all the neighbors were pushed out. 10,000 people were displaced. Norman is one of the last ones, still locking his feet to home ground, still fighting after 40 years. To fight the mining companies and their exploitation of the land and the destruction to the environment. And so, this has been an ongoing thing for since I was a kid, and I'll probably get old doing this. So, so it's really uh, not a ch choice that I made, but I think I was forced into this type of work because of what's happening here to Black Mesa. Because one spring goes dry, some unknowing faucet somewhere else comes on. The southwest need for water keeps growing. Navajo Generation Station keeps chugging. It doesn't seem like Norman will be able to let go of that reused Poland Springs bottle anytime soon. The air, we breathe the air, we eat the food, and it should be the same. We shouldn't have to poison one group so we can let some one other group have a better life. That shouldn't be the case. We're here forever. I mean, it's not like we're gonna have, uh, we're gonna go to some place, new place, and some promised land, some other place beyond the horizon. This is home. Our roots are deep here, and shouldn't be pulling them up and planting new roots someplace else. It just doesn't work that way. 
for National Public Lands Radio, I'm Jack Bynum.